0: Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the original fantasy football podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica Humphreys.
1: And me, Chris Pelau, And today we'll be looking ahead at the next set of Premier League fixtures. Armed with the knowledge of the last round and ready to make those tweaks and adjustments to your teams.
0: We'll be taking a deep dive into my league, the George Borough Wente League.
1: And we'll be hearing from you, our valued listeners in part three, along with Neil Mansfield, who's back from Fantasy League HQ, as we take another step in confirming and understanding what makes us in a different league.
0: So, Chris, obviously this is our second episode. In our first episode, we had to cover everything that had happened in the Premier League so far, and now we've got a slightly smaller amount of things to look at from the Premier League and then going into fantasy league land. But I guess we should start by talking about how the week went for us it wasn't a great week for me I can't lie I think I got nine points in the end which gave me the joint least for the week and I had a brilliant lead that was above 40 points in my league and it's been cut over recent weeks down to just I'm just 30 points ahead of the tracing pack so I'm starting to feel a little nervous to, to look over my shoulder a bit but um, how did the week go for you?
1: Yeah, talk of a title race then back in the George Borough and <laughs> the league is there. I am well look, I am still in I was about to say some I'm still in fourth. I'm not, I've dropped down to sixth, but mid table is very tight in ours. I had twelve points over the weekend, which was fine. Uh you know, not great, very average, so I'm i I'm consistently average still. Um we had someone who nearly got Phil nearly got thirty points, the the sort of hallowed ground 30 points on twenty eight. Um, some really big scores in our league this week, um, and also a zero in there as well. So, um, so there I am, comfortably mid. We had twenty-eight, we had zero. Me on twelve. Thank you very much again, Ollie Watkins.
0: <laughs> Was Ollie Watkins your your big scorer then for the week? Obviously, um, he had another standout week in a. Another very impressive performance for Aston Villa. Um, Douglas Luiz as well, I note, someone who obviously did very well, who's on penalties, obviously, at the moment for Villa too, which helps. Are they are they a team we should be looking at more, do you think, Chris? I've got Moussa Diaby, who's been good so far, but actually didn't didn't help me out even in the Villa Goal Fest this week.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, definitely with Villa. I mean, I think that that win over West Ham, it got them to, it's now 11 home games that they've won in the Premier League. They've done amazingly well under Unai Emery. I think they're only behind Arsenal and City in terms of points scored. So, yeah, they're definitely one of the most performing teams. But that suggests, I think, that a lot of their players will be snapped up already. I mean, Watkins will definitely be in pretty much every league um, by now. But it's certainly one of those teams where I think people will be looking around at some of those, I say, periphery players. Leon Bailey and Yuri Tillemans both came on for Villa. Um, and involved in a goal so it's sort of those sorts of players now that people will kind of like be scrapping around for if they haven't been taken up so obviously I've got Oli Watkins I've also got Nicolo Zeniolo who hasn't scored any points yet but always I'm, every Villa game I watch I'm like oh he's definitely scoring here he's definitely going to get an assist here so I'm hoping he turns that into points um, but yeah Villa are absolutely flying at the moment and I wouldn't be surprised if people will go for those plays, including their defenders as well. And there are a couple of teams like that as well. Um, I think Newcastle and Chelsea both performed strongly over the weekend as well. And again, it's those sort of like, call them periphery players. It's those players who perhaps at the start of the season, you didn't think were going to be in the starting 11, so wouldn't have gone for. Um, and then now starting to contribute. Jacob Murphy was the biggest scorer over the weekend in fantasy league land. Um, and Chelsea as well. That sort of Chelsea eleven is starting to take shape a bit and starting to pin down those positions in a team which at the start of the season, I couldn't tell you what it was going to be like. I don't know if it was like for you as a Chelsea fan as well. Maybe you knew all along what was
0: coming. (laughs) Well, I, the big Chelsea player in inverted commas, because I don't know how popular any of the Chelsea players would have been for the start of the season, but the player I went for was Nkunku, who then promptly obviously picked up a knee injury, Now, I took the decision that I didn't want to potentially go back in and spend for him when he came back. So I've actually held on to him all this time in the hope that his spectacular January return will make it all worth it. But I do think it's very interesting, obviously, looking at, Players who have sort of come into the Chelsea squad quite late on. I think Cole Palmer's the obvious one who's impressed, who's on penalties for Chelsea at the moment, um, is wrestling he? the ball away from <laughs> Raheem Sterling. Enzo Fernandez very strictly telling Sterling that that Cole Palmer will be taking that um that penalty. But Mikhailo Mudrick as well. I mean, I think it's safe to say the goal on Saturday was a fluke, but is someone who clearly has got Pochettino's trust, I think, at this point in time. Um, is playing games and feels like a bit of a wild card um, to be able to go for and and who might be able to spring some surprises. So yeah, I think with that that Chelsea team sort of settling in, you can see potentially the the players that are worth going for. But the problem is, is Chelsea still have just such a ridiculously big squad and so many injuries that when you're looking at players like Jackson versus Breuer for that number nine spot, Carney Chukomeka started the season as the 10 and Kunku is still to come back. You still have that little like question mark of how long are these players actually going to be playing for?
1: And also, those players like Conor Gallagher as well. He looks like he has, he does just sort of play every game now, and he's kind of really has got that locked in that position. He's like advancing with the ball a lot more now as well. Definitely someone who you're looking at him and you're like, oh, that could be you know assist coming, goal coming, but maybe with assists, he's playing further forward. Um, and I mentioned Newcastle as well; they just look so clinical against Palace, which we will. <laughs> we'll perhaps move on to as well. I could definitely expect a flurry of Newcastle transfers. I, I wonder whether people at the start of the season had gone for Anthony Gordon, Murphy, even Longstaff. Like it's those midfielders. You mentioned assists last week. It's those ones that people will look at now. Can I bring them in? Are they going to start getting assists? Will I get rid of my Crystal Palace defenders and replace them with these players? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and for the sort of underlying numbers, Stati nerds, Newcastle are like, it's the number of goals they're scoring aren't a fluke. Like, everything sort of plays out below in terms of the expected goals and things like that. And I feel like that's been a really sort of fascinating thing that's changed for them this season. Because obviously, last year it felt like they were just a really good defensive team and and that was how they were winning games. And now you're just seeing them sort of like blow teams away. I mean, we're talking about Villa players. I ended up picking up Matty Cash, but I think. At the start of the season, obviously, the fact that, that Newcastle just absolutely killed Villa, that was where I was like, oh, I don't know if, if Villa are going to be that good. And and actually, it turned out that they, they do look very good. But that was just one of those games where Newcastle were just able to exploit Villa's very, very high line um, and then really make the most. And I think, yeah, there's there's a couple of teams they have done that to And we should talk about Palace because obviously we were saying in our opening episode that, you know, Palace defenders were sort of surprised Jerk Anderson in particular um and we do have a question about that a bit later on was sort of a surprise pick at the, at the top of the charts but Chris as our Palace expert let's let's come straight to you on this is is this a one off or or is this a, a sign of things to come should we anyone who quickly went out and bought Anderson should be being dropped immediately
1: well look, firstly i think we need to say maybe i need to give a, get the phone out and call up the The lawyer that we got in for the (coughs) Lissandro debacle. You know, at no point did we tell people to go and buy Palace defenders last time. We just said that, if if anything, we said it was a surprise that they were doing so well. We know that Palace are going to be solid and have been solid under Roy Hodgson. They've also, it was in very challenging circumstances that they had such a good defensive record. The amount of injuries that they've had so far this season. um, And those injuries are starting to come back slowly. Lerma was back on the weekend, Ward Zacura as well, Franca has come in, um Elise's still to come. So it should have actually been a bad period. They were doing very, very well, and they just got torn apart. And unrecognisably so actually against Newcastle. The way that Tyrick Mitchell just sort of like seemed completely lost on that left hand side against Trippier and Murphy. Uh, Trippier and Murphy. Um, so yeah, look don't go and buy crystal palace defenders. Uh, they are playing against Tottenham this weekend in the Friday fixture at home. I don't expect them to ship in that many goals. Like I said, they have been solid. If you are going to be looking at palace players, maybe start targeting some of those players who are coming back. If if Elise, this is what happened with with in my league. Elise was bought in the auction, got rid of straight after when he got injured and it's He's on the verge of coming back now. I actually brought him back last month in our monthly transfer window um, ahead of time because I didn't want everyone to be to be going for him. So if that hasn't happened in your league and you've got a sealed bids or transfer window coming up, maybe it's some of those returning players from injury or like Mateus Franca, someone who haven't seen yet in the Premier League. Um, those are the ones perhaps to be going for for that team. But And sorry if you bought Sam Johnston. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, there are some Sam Johnston... Um, upset fans wandering around this uh, podcast zoom i will say who maybe we'll be talking to a little bit later you you touched on obviously a palace playing spurs and that's the the friday game which is great a crazy turnaround from spurs monday to to friday but i think the sort of like fantasy league time slot interest obviously when there might be quite a lot of Players playing is this sort of two o'clock on the Sunday when we've got Brighton, Fulham, Villa, Luton, Liverpool, Forest. I think three interesting games because we've got three attacking teams in Brighton, Villa, and Liverpool. People might have quite a few of their their players all coming up against teams who I think look a, a little bit shaky defensively. Obviously, you know, Forest threw that two goal lead against Luton at the weekend, Fulham were not impressive, I think, against Tottenham on, on Monday night. And Brighton, I feel like, a due a win at some point. So, Chris, what kind of stands out to you from, from those games? Who, who would you sort of be looking to, to to make sure you had in your team?
1: Well, Firstly, on this time slot thing, by the way, it's very it's, I, I, it's obviously to do with the teams playing in Europe, but it's like every other weekend now. We either have like all games on a Saturday, loads of three o'clock games, and then the following week all of them happening on Sunday. I mean, there's only two, three o'clock games on Saturday. And last week, there was only one game on the Sunday. I don't know why that annoys me. I think it annoys me slightly because sometimes uh, we are, the Sunday games in particular, where traditionally they're going to be put, they're putting on better games. And also because it's the European games, we have like teams are going to be forced a bit in the, to make those super sub decisions um, in a way that maybe some of them would have been swallowed up on the Saturday before. So it is a bit annoying. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, in that two o'clock slot on the Sunday, you know, if you are able to bring in players, I suppose maybe sort of like one additional edge that you could do as well is is looking at those players in those smaller teams. Because the fact is with Brighton, Villa and Liverpool is that they're going to be, a lot of teams are going to have a lot of, perhaps even two players already, um, are going to have a lot of those sort of like big players that they'll just stick with throughout the entire season or from the auction already I feel like I'm always... Maybe I'm just always rooting for the small guy. I saw, saw these players come on for Leeton the other day, and I'm always kind of looking at, oh, these are the sort of players... I think these are the sort of players I used to go for a few years ago when I was in a weekly transfer window. And basically, when I saw Andros Townsend and Ross Barkley <laughs> coming on for Leeton, those are classic, like, Peel's old boys, which is my team, signings from years gone by, especially in the weekly transfer window when I was desperate and I'm like, oh, they've come on, they're taking a free kick. They could go for... Um, could actually um, go for goal here. But then, and obviously on Sunday, then there's the Manchester Derby as well, the big the big game to look forward to as well, where if we're talking about choices, defensively, what do you do? What do you, We spoke about it last week. What do you do with your Man City defenders? What do you do with your Man United defenders? Who would you play? And a lot, this this is a classic thing as well, where there'll be a fixture where people will, may have defenders from both teams. Anana in midweek, massive penalty save. You've got Anana. And another sort of mea culpa is for Scott McTominay, who scored again last weekend. I did actually tell people, ridicule people, who perhaps might be going for him. But maybe he is the person who needs to be going for.
0: Yeah, although obviously McTominay did give away a penalty then in that game. I know that doesn't cost points, but he then also gave a penalty away in the Champions League that Anana had to save. My maybe road pick would be Harry Maguire scored in midweek, City not as rampant in terms of attacking in recent weeks that we've like potentially known them for. And even when United have been bad, there's always been a sense that, especially in home Manchester derbies, they've still managed to find a little bit of an edge over City. So I feel like this game could be a little bit of a banana skin for City. And maybe this is, you know, it felt like a real redemption moment for for Maguire on, on Tuesday night at Old Trafford. Maybe this he maybe he gets an, another moment on, on Sunday.
1: It could, but then it's that sort of false thing of uh, Inanna, Anana, fine, the penalty save, brilliant. Like I say, you've got him. There were some saves against uh, Sheffield United over the weekend. I think against like Cameron Archer, Rian Brewster, where, you know, he was stopping it, but it was kind of like very happy to sort of like flap it out toward into the box. And the thing is, against City there will be poachers there. You know, Doku's been playing brilliantly. Yeah, I still would worry to have the United defenders in there against City. Doku's been amazing. Um,
0: I will say, I did actually axe Anana for that exact reason, but the person I bought in was Robert Sanchez, who just promptly kicked the ball to Declan Rice on on Saturday. So, I, I mean, between the between the two of them, like, it's it's two horrible twins basically that I've had in my fantasy team in goal this season. Uh, yeah, Doku Doku has looked brilliant, but again, this comes back to the City thing where you just feel like you can never predict what forwards Pep's going to use and and how they're going to be used and who's going to look good and, and who isn't. And I think that's always the thing for me that I find just impossible to predict about City. And I, I do think it's interesting because, I, I mean, we obviously talked a bit about this last week and, and Harlan did score, obviously, at the weekend. But there's a this, there's this strange sense that City aren't as free-flowing going forward as they were. And maybe, you know, Rodri coming back and Stones coming into the team and, and being able to improve the whole flow of the team from, from back to front helps with that. But yeah, I think this game's going to be a really, really interesting one. Um, I think it was a bit... United, I just feel like, are a team who, they, they annoy me in the sense that they'll sort of like fluke their way to one important win and then the next week they'll do it again. And, you know, on Tuesday, I was like, this is so United to get the win over FC Copenhagen. Um, Chris, before we sort of wrap up this first part, anything else that you're you're looking for over, over the weekend coming up?
1: Um, no, I, th- I th- there's that game on the Saturday evening, Wolves against Newcastle, five thirty kickoff. Where you know we've already spoken about Newcastle, but Wolves as well. Kind of Gary O'Neill had the spotlight shone on him over the weekend and into Monday as well. Wolves, I think, could be a team that maybe a lot of players that they're, they're very sort of undersubscribed in our league. Don't have not a lot of teams have got Wolves players in their team, and the way that they play, the confidence they're playing with, they're so organised under him. Matt Doherty, I didn't know, realize he'd gone back to Wolves, but there, there he is. And yeah, there are some sort of underrepresented players there for sure, perhaps to, to look out for. I've got Cunha at Wolves. Huang Hee-chan is a player who, over the last few weeks, I'm sure would have started to get snapped up. They've got some really good attacking players. Neto as well. And I think they, they could be a team to look out for, even though they're playing against Newcastle, but they're playing at home. But I was impressed with them over the weekend last week.
0: All right, there you go. Chris's pick of the week, Wolves players. And I'm sure Bournemouth's pick of the week would be Wolves' manager. Wait. All right, let's wrap up there for for part one. Um, In part two, we will come back and have a little bit of a chat about my league.
1: So last week we looked at the GLWFL, the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League, in case you didn't know. But you do, and well, you definitely do now. Brendan is now this global (laughs) distributor chain of award-winning wines and spirits. He's touring the world, delighted with all the income that's come flooding in. Thank you for going to visit him. Um, And look, we wanted to get to know about Jesse's League as well. We're here for the long run this season, and it's a great starting point for you to learn about us, our league's, what attracted us to the game. Um, but here, so we are going to be looking at the George Borough Wednesday League. Um, and I say what attracts us to the game, um, but the history of this league is interesting because, you know, Jesse, you weren't a kind of one of the founding members of the league, but, uh, but it was someone within your family who was, and who absolutely was. Talk about heritage has been there from the very, very beginning. Um, tell, you know, obvious place to start, but the very beginning of the George Borough Wednesday League. How and when did it begin and by whom?
0: Yeah, I had to make a phone call sort of ahead of this section because I thought I can't really tell the story of this league just from when I started playing in about 2002. I've got to go back to the very start. Um, so my dad founded the league, Stephen Humphreys, I'll full name him, uh, when he was working at Abbey National. They were the Abbey National All-Stars um, and he'd seen an advert about it in the in the newspaper Um, ahead of the start of of Fantasy League, ahead of the start of the Premier League. Um, And he, funnily enough, uh, founded the league with someone who went on to run an actual football club as opposed to a fantasy football club in Paul Barber. Um, So him and Paul Barber ran the league for a number of years um, with people you know, sort of moving in and out of it until in about 97, 98, it became officially the George Borough Wednesday League with my dad seemingly have just managed to make it his friends. And the George Borough Wednesday League came from the fact that ever since my dad and his friends left school on the first Wednesday of every month, they have gone for a drink at the George in Borough. So they're the George Borough Wednesday club um, which has been running for, like, celebrated its 40th anniversary pretty recently. And that's basically where that's now run on all the way to, to the present day. So a very, very long running league that's gone through a number of iterations, but has been in its current iteration now for a pretty good chunk of time.
1: I didn't realise until you said that it was the George Pub in Borough, and then I looked it up. Looked it up. It's a great pub. I, I know it very oh, well. It's, it's like this old pub with a massive courtyard. I mean, both of our leagues now have been centred around alcohol, um, <laughs> kind of. But, I uh, think but that all
0: fancy league should be centred around.
1: Absolutely. But that's, you know, it's brilliant. It's also that um, I noticed as well, because the uh, my wife used to work uh, nearby. It's kind of like where a lot of newspapers are, the Sun and the Times. Didn't know maybe it's a place where where your dad would go and hang out and try and get the juicy gossip for uh <laughs> What was happening in the, you know, the transfer window in the real world, the real Premier League world? I'm not so sure. Um, but yeah, so that, you know, that was the, the beginnings of it. But obviously you didn't join. What, what about your, your debut into the league? You didn't join um, until you were a bit older. What, what year did you join the George Borough Wednesday League?
0: Yeah, so fortunately my dad has kept the sort of end of season table in paper format so he was able to go back through and and see uh, exactly when i joined which was apparently the 2002 three season which would have made me seven years old my team was called the golden snitch um no prizes for guessing what i must have been reading at the time and that year i actually finished third out of nine players which i think is a pretty good debut my top scorers apparently were jimmy floyd hasselbank and robert perez wow I can't say I really remember it, but there we go. Yeah, I've been I've been now playing for 21 years.
1: Well, that's amazing. And look, your dad's been playing for longer. Does he ever talk about sort of like the days, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about the history of the league and we'll be getting people on who, who, who've who been playing since the very, very beginning. And even Andrew, who founded it. Uh, but does he ever sort of talk about, oh, you know, back in the day, we didn't have the website. Back in the day, it all had to be done like this. You know, does he talk about sort of like, with the, the purest way of playing fantasy if fantasy league is the purest way of playing fantasy football does he ever talk about sort of like the purest way of playing fantasy league on paper as opposed to on the internet
0: yeah well he obviously like will refer to when on a, on a Monday you'd have to wait for the like your your league to get faxed into you to see how everyone had done I did wonder whether you know if the stuff with the website got really bad Neil would maybe just return to faxing out everyone's results over over the weekend and I think I think at one point people used to sort of have to phone up to do subs or or transfers or something like that but yeah I quite like the idea that you'd just get a piece of paper like coming through into your into your office and then they could go and put it up on the wall and everyone could see how they'd how they'd done it over the weekend
1: It's on the internet now, full swing. You've been playing for so long. uh, And you're thinking you're not as well the only family member. It's become a bit bit of a family league. Uh, Who else, Giving it sort of insight of who else is playing now, it's it's your dad's old friends, but then also your siblings playing. Is that right?
0: Yeah, so all of my siblings, I've got two siblings, um, and we've all at some points played. Edward, my brother, he went off and founded a different league. So he's now not part of the Georgeborough Wednesday League. He's been excommunicated, written out of the will, uh, just just to go and play with a different uh, set of people. Uh, but my sister Emily, she is still she's still in the the Georgeborough Wednesday League with me. So yeah, there's a big Parker Humphreys contingent w- within the league. Um, I, I think it always helped that we host the auction every year and other. Players, um, kids at various points have sort of like popped in and out. But I think the advantage of always being there at the start of the season, at the auction, kept kept all of the Parker Humphreys children a bit more hooked um, on the league.
1: And you, with your intimidating record of the last few years, well, there's no way that you'd step aside, but also maybe, yeah, they're all intimidated of you. In yeah, the well,
0: I mean, now I realise I came third when I was seven. I'm like, I was a child fantasy league prodigy, you know, <laughs> you know, when you get those children who are chess grandmasters if fantasy league had its due as I believe it should in you know global sports I could have been like one of those children
1: (laughs) and is your team still called the golden snitch no
0: no we all pick new new team names every year so this year I'm Evan Fergie time
1: very nice yeah Uh, a a few quick fire questions actually about the league because you know obviously everyone plays it a different way and perhaps something that we could do every week um, but just so people are aware. So how many people are in the league, quickly?
0: Currently, there are six or seven. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, nice. It's always sort of been sort of between six and ten that it sort of fluctuates in year in, year out.
1: Auction, sealed bids. Do you want to lay that, lay out what, what it's like, how it works?
0: Yeah, auction at the start of the season um, and then sealed bids once every two months. Of course, on the first Wednesday of the month at the Georgian Borough. Um, in there person. used to Brilliant. be... An option, which I didn't know about, this came from my dad, whereby players could between themselves arrange deals for, you know, they could sell between themselves, as it were, rather than just going towards sealed bids. But unfortunately, due to some manipulation of this system, uh, a famed curry bung, whereby one player, who I shall not name, but was in second just behind my dad one year, offered to buy everyone else in the league a curry if they would give him their best player for, for the end of the season to try and get him over the line. and, and Using non-fantasy
1: dad. league currency.
0: Exactly. Um, and my dad was very, very unimpressed and the resulting argument meant that we had to move away from the system and, and solely do sealed bids in person or, but you can by email, you don't have to turn up in person to the pub to make a bid I think that would be a bit harsh um but yeah but my dad said he still won that year anyway so I, I mean it was a failed curry bong I guess
1: <laughs> and it's not the only dramatic thing in a league that's been running for that many years I told you about mine and how only in the space of a few years we've had these sort of big dramatic events but you've had your fair share yeah I've got a list here in front of me which includes words like esprit curse <laughs> England doctor <laughs> Let's talk about the England doctor, actually. That one's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, so for a while uh, we had the doctor to the senior England men's team in in the league because he he was our neighbour. He was the Arsenal doctor as well for a while. But it just put everyone on edge in this way because there was this sense that, obviously, that he could have some fantastic inside information, you know, he would know who was injured and for how long and it might not have been announced. So everyone was sat at the auction, you know, like nervously looking at him. When he was sort of bidding for players off piece, there was this real sense of, oh, you know, he must really, really know. I think he was just playing fantasy league like a normal person, but everyone sort of felt that there was this inside edge going on. But yeah, that 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 was a good one. And then the Espria curse, this is also before my time, but this was came from... When they were doing a sealed bids round, Chris, one of the players, had just spent a lot of money on Espria, who had just scored his his famous hat-trick for Newcastle against Barcelona. They figured out that basically to the minute of opening the bids, because they, they did it at a specific time, he broke his leg at literally that minute. And then consequently, that has then become to refer to whenever you sort of go for a player who immediately rules themselves out. And we've had a number of um, people who've been burnt by, shall we say, off-field instances with footballers. Uh, Maybe people in our league weren't aware of reasons why they would not be participating in the Premier League uh, in in the coming season. And everyone's just sort of sat quietly at, at auction, letting this person bid on them. And then everyone, the other person sort of looking around being like, why is nobody coming back with me uh, again to try and get these players? Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the Espria curse, which has had a long and storied history within the league.
1: Yeah, that always does happen in the auction, doesn't it? And then sometimes the person tries to kind of smooth it like, oh, No, 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 I know what I'm doing, especially with an injured player. Oh, yeah, yeah I knew he was injured yeah. until January. Or Ivan Tony, I absolutely knew he was suspended <laughs> until January. I just didn't wanted to get there ahead of other people.
0: That's well, a bit like me and Christopher and Kunku, to be fair. And some people have just gone bold. You know, we have had bids for, for Leo Messi and stuff in the past when it looked like he was gonna to go to City. And that is a game a way of playing the game that I respect. I'm yet to see it pay off, I must admit. But I love when people go for rumoured transfers that might happen. I think that's a real fun way of, you know, sticking your neck on the line.
1: Oh wow, well, yeah, that is interesting. Going oh uh, going off piece on the website, you know
0: Do you allow that? Do you allow bids from players who sort of aren't in the on the list yet?
1: No, we literally, the day of the auction, turn up with the fresh printed player list of the most recently time-stamped one of that day. And like, we go off this. We go off this even for teams, you know, if a player is just signed for another team, like, well, sorry, he's still an Everton player here. So he will be an Everton player. And then you can maybe take advantage.
0: That's strict. Um, No, we we sort of allow that, you know, you can go for the the free-for-all. But if they're not there at the start of the season, then tough shit.
1: So Jesse, you're leading the league so far this season. You said at the start that you were a bit worried uh, that your form started to drop off. Who are sort of like your biggest challenges in there? You are—is are your sister and and your dad ones to worry about, or are they sort of ones that you can that you know you can keep at an arm's length?
0: Yeah, dad is normally one to worry about. He is very good, to be fair. Maybe being good at Fantasy league is genetic. I don't know that that's yet to be <laughs> researched on. Um, but yeah, he's currently in third. The person I'm a little bit worried about is, is Chris. He's creeping up behind me. But the thing is, I think I just set such a fast pace. I need to not panic. I think I'm to a winning formula. And I'm a bit of a victim of my own success right now, you know, just because I was, I'm still 30 points ahead. That's quite a lot ahead. You know, that's the same as the gap between second and and fifth in the league. But Chris is, he is catching up. And last year he had a good year as well. So he's got Ollie Watkins. That's basically what's propelling him up the league. So hopefully Ollie Watkins form will tail off. Sorry, Chris. Oh, Chris is with Ollie Watkins. What's that trend about, huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We know, we know. Uh, well, we'll be keeping a close eye on that throughout the season, seeing if Jesse can cling on to top spot. I'll also be letting you know if I'm finished fourth, fifth, or sixth. One of the three <laughs> always do for me. And we, you know, we're looking forward to hearing from from other leagues as well. So from next week, we're hearing from one of our listeners and about their leagues.
0: Yeah. So next week, we're going to be joined by Fantasy league veteran Phil Honey. But this is just a general call out as well. We want to feature as many leagues as possible. So. Can you help us? Are are you a rival of of Jamie and Andy Murray? We've heard they're floating around. Uh, Do you have a secret footballer in your league? Is there a league out there where teams are stuck with the same players all season? There's no ins and outs. There's no sealed bids. Do you think you might be a member of the biggest league? I have just checked. There are only six people in my league, so I've got a pretty small one, really, but we, we imagine there must be some big ones out there. So if that is you... If you want to come on and tell us about the the weird and wonderful things you've got up to in your league over the years, you can email us on podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk or you can get in touch via Twitter on at Fantasy League. We really want to hear from as many of you as possible, so so please reach out if you'd like to come and chat to me and Chris about everything that makes your league great. So we are back in part three and we are joined as we were last week by Neil Mansfield from head office. Neil, how are you doing?
2: Very good, thank you. Yeah, very good indeed. It's been, uh, been a good week. Busy in Fantasy Towers, as they say.
0: Do you want to talk about Sam Johnston first up? Or...
2: <laughs> oh dear me. Um, not really. But if I must, yeah, I... Um... So I'll put my hands up in the air. Yes, I am that that individual who was sort of not named but really named earlier on, who um dabbled with Crystal Palace defenders, or rather, uh Crystal Palace goalkeeper this week. I um yeah, I missed the auction uh this year due to the, should we say the shenanigans of the start of the season. I was otherwise engaged. So that's the first time I've missed it in about thirty years. So what happens is um if you want to continue playing in our league, um you get to pick from the dregs that are left over. So that's what I did, picked my uh, my squad of 15. And ever since then, I've been trying to sort of catch up with the rest of the teams in my league Rather unsuccessfully, rather uh, stupidly, I went for a a Crystal Palace goalkeeper in Sam Johnston this weekend. We all know what happened against West Ham, so I'd rather just quickly gloss over that and move on to the next subject, if that's quite all right.
0: (laughs) I think we can do that, but I I am intrigued to hear who you managed to pick up, so maybe we'll have to come back to that on on another week. Obviously, it was great to hear from you last week about... Everything that has gone on with the website and sort of where we're going forward with it. I believe you have some more exciting news for fans of Head to Head.
2: Yeah, really good news this week. We've actually managed to get uh, the league series or Head to Head back up and running. Um, we've had it on test for the last couple of days and that seems to work perfectly well we'll be rolling that out to all divisions in line with around about midday Thursday 26th of October uh, it will start afresh so we won't be backdating it from the previous weeks and um, it'll run forwards from this weekend onwards uh, but yeah delighted to uh, to bring the league series and head-to-head head back again.
1: Neil, it's great you've had the time to have a look at that. Maybe because you weren't swamped with manual assists decisions, you know, fretting over. Well, not fretting, because I think it's always done very confidently. It's more actually the uh, the abuse that comes with it sometimes, a lot of the questioning. But there wasn't anything, nothing controversial from this weekend which is a rarity
2: no I, it, that, that's a really interesting point actually the the manual assists um are always the most entertaining of requests that the or sort of emails that we get into sort of HQ that's just sort of asking you know, why wasn't this awarded why wasn't that awarded and and generally it's just down to just down to knowledge and and obviously this weekend there are an awful lot of handballs in the box um, so, as per our sort of long standing rules, you know, the goal for uh, or both penalties around Diaz and Mudrick were sort of uh, requested by, should we say, a number of different individuals. But yeah, there's a long standing no handball rule that we have. Um, so, neither of those are awarded. So, in fact, there was only one that was awarded this weekend, and that was for Consa, the uh, Louise penalty per Villa against West Ham. And I was just quickly looking back through the records probably over the last year. And I couldn't really find anywhere else um, where there was just a single assist. But I did find, I think it was game week 26 last year, where there were no assists awarded. Now, I haven't gone in and checked to see whether or not there weren't actually any games that weekend. I don't think that's the case. But it doesn't happen very often where there is only a single assist.
1: It's The sort of thing that people, I mean, the people in our league make references to the the manual assists that cost them and only they remember them like, oh, you know Luis Diaz from this time last and like, no oh, yeah but I don't I don't remember that one but people it really does stick with them it's a very serious and contentious issue for people
2: you know what I, I'm, I'm actually delighted that we're actually back in and talking about manual assist controversy because that's really where we, we need to get the game back so I'll happily talk about this every week if we need to Um, And I think actually it's a good forum just for sort of debating some of the more contentious manual assists that might be awarded. It is really difficult. You know, you've got to get, you know, under the microscope, you sort of, you know, you're slowing action down to sort of, um, you know, half the speed of, you know, normal TV. So we do go into it in some depth. But thankfully this weekend there was uh, none none required and it was a fairly easy uh, weekend.
1: It's almost like watching Match of the Day as well where or any sort of football TV coverage where the pundits were, are saying, well, you know, the rules have got to change. Uh, I accept that it was a handball, but the rules have got to change. We've had a few emails come in and messages from listeners, including a request from one. This is, so this is from Fantasy Football Clouseau. It's a name you might recognise. He did a he did a good blog a few years back on kind of how to prepare for an auction. And he writes about um, Fantasy Football on Fantasy Football Scout, I think. And he's demanding that, uh, you know, that, that that the rules should be changed to kind of, he's saying that, you know, can we expand the definition of assists to include winning fouls for goals from direct free kicks in the same way that is done for penalties. So if you're fouled, which leads to a penalty, that should be an assist and that all shots and crosses which lead to handball penalties, basically what happened in the Liverpool game over the weekend. Now, it would take a lot in fantasy league to to have the rules changed. But where do you stand on those two things? I know that I've got my opinions. I'm sure, Jesse, you've got yours as well. Um, but Neil, you must get these sorts of requests all the time.
2: Yeah, so I think the key thing here is we're, we're not we're not against any sort of rule change. I think, you know, you've got to move with the times and you've got to look at amendments to the game. Personally speaking, and this isn't necessarily, you know, a a, a fantasy league rule, I'm I'm not entirely convinced about handballs in the box. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, For me, a manual assist really is when, you know, a player is brought down in the box rather than sort of a hand going up or uh, accidental, you know, interference in the box. So for me, possibly, probably not, you know, handball penalties. I quite like, and I'm veering towards the whole direct free kick element here, I quite like that um, as a possible implementation for next year. But I think the key thing here is this, because the game is, is it's not just about me or you know the small team behind Fantasy League, it's actually about engaging with everyone. So I'd love to hear what people think about that. Uh, obviously, we're not going to be introducing you know, rule changes in the middle of the season, but it's something we could definitely look at for next year if there is enough interest that we can add in manual assists for direct free kicks.
0: It's an interesting one to think about, isn't it? I feel like I I agree the assists for handball penalties. I'm not having that because I feel like an assist. <laughs> I just feel like you're not actually like I know you've it's technically contributed to a goal, but you've not contributed to a goal in a meaningful sense. Whereas the the fouls for direct free kicks is an interesting one. I still think I'm also a little bit against that because I think the chances of scoring a penalty are so high that by being fouled to win one you have effectively helped create your team a goal but for a direct free kick that becomes so much about then the person who takes the free kick I don't really know if you've had the same kind of role in leading to that goal as opposed to just leading to the opportunity to score a goal that would really justify that counting as an assist. I don't know what
1: you think, Chris. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it's a it's a shame sometimes, but again, it's only a shame if you've got the player who's done it. But um, yeah. but yeah, it's definitely the the penalty one make does certainly make a lot of sense. Uh, I'm definitely against the handball one. I mean, the one in the Liverpool game over the weekend there's no way that Luis Diaz was contributing towards the goal that ended up being scored or or that knew that the arm was going to come up. But yeah, and I I suppose a reminder as well, a a question about your league, Jesse, a reminder that you can customise even the points in your league. Have have you done any sort of like fiddling around with the numbers and point scores in yours? Or are you you a purist traditional go with the same point scoring as as official fantasy league scoring?
0: Yeah, we're purists. um, But the sort of area of debate that it always has come up for us and I know some leagues I believe have sort of moved towards doing this. I think my brother's league is one that does is clean sheet points for defensive midfielders, which is something that's it has been a, a debate for us before. Just because obviously you do get this whole swathe of players who are sort of important and actually you know even more important in contemporary football I'd say than maybe they were in the past in terms of how they sort of set the tone for their team, but in traditional fancy league scoring. It's very hard for those players, realistically, to to pick up points because they're not getting any for defending, and they very rarely are going to get points for scoring and assisting. Um, that, so that's, that's really
2: interesting. Uh, sorry to, to to cut across you, then, Jesse. That's, uh, that's for, for the for our league as well uh, this year, the first season in thirty odd years that we've also introduced DMF. And defensive points, it's actually becoming quite popular change to the scoring matrix across a lot of leagues. Whether it's one point or two, or do you actually award negative points for conceding, that perhaps then negates the benefit of uh, of a DMF. But what it does do, it really opens up the players that are available. Because you're quite right, you've got an awful lot of DMFs that just sit, you know, as you know, not picked up players throughout the whole of the season. Because you know, why would you? They're not going to score points. Um, but in this possibility, I think in our league, I think one one team has, I think, three DMFs. It's a
1: change. Um, who knows where that could lead to? Make Douglas Louise the best footballer in the Premier League, if that's the case. I, I, I don't mind. I quite like, actually, the fact that a lot of those players don't get picked up. And then if you're going for them, it's because you're desperate or you think you're being really clever. And then if you do have them, you know, the likes of Casemiro and Rodri. There was a player in our league, Sam, who used, who, who loved going for those defensive midfielders I mean he, he did finish bottom last year uh, but he liked taking that taking that risk we do have a question in from a Sam uh, from Dewsbury Hall of Famers who's asking whether he should stick with his guns and back Anderson all season or whether he should get cover he notes a horrible run of fixtures for Palace in December against Liverpool City, Chelsea Brighton and Brentford and there was a bit of a dig at Chelsea towards Jesse there as well but uh, Jesse, uh, Chelsea played very well over the weekend so he might Uh, regret that but it goes back to what we were saying at the start of the episode uh, with Palace and I think that there'll be a a flurry of an an exodus of Palace players from people's teams do you stick with a player like that do you start abandoning we we asked the question last week whether it was possible to to really be confident about a defensive back line and whether you just stick to them or not I'm not sure
0: yeah I think this is this is interesting because I feel like this is something I've never really thought about Doing of look because obviously I have a, a sealed bids around every two months, but it is quite an interesting way to sort of look at fixtures in in that sense and think about it like that. I've I've never really gone for it. I've always just been quite strict, especially on defenders of being at the start of each season. I'll predict where I think teams are going to finish in the league, and I'll buy from whoever I think is top six, and then I sort of have to live or die based on my own pre-season predictions. I think I would get cover for that run of fixtures because that's that's pretty gnarly. Even if you think for example Palace might pick up points in some of those fixtures, do you think Palace are going to keep clean sheets for a big chunk of those games? That seems like that would be very impressive uh, and potentially unlikely given what we saw over the weekend. So yes, my hunch would be to to go with cover and and keep Anderson sort of as as a rogue center back goal scorer. Um, to to look for and to be able to bring in when potentially there are fixtures that are going to favour that as opposed to sort of... because also I guess the other thing is if you're looking at defenders who you, who you think are going to score in attacking situations, you want them in games where they're actually going to have the opportunity to score, and in a games where you're going to expect Palace to have not as much possession as they would otherwise. That that feels also like you're you're on a lose lose there for me.
1: I love how much Palace chat there is so far in these two episodes. And also, uh, I, also I like the idea as well, that, you know, the child prodigy of Fantasy League that you are, Jesse, uh, kind of just using your sixth sense at the start of the season and just kind of like really confidently going with, you know, what, what counts at the start of the season will see you through until the end.
0: Now I use expected goal differential. So I, that wasn't around when I started in uh, 2002. So it's, uh, I use more data to predict things now than I did then. Then it was really random.
1: I wish I had your confidence because the two, my two big regrets so far this season have been players that I went for and then discarded too quickly. Um, and I sometimes don't have enough trust in, in myself. Uh, so Leandro Trossard. Oh, Chris! <laughs> It's true.
2: I know where you're going with that one. Yeah, Andrew Trossard
1: doesn't play for the first few weeks. I'll get rid of him. And then I was like, but what was I thinking? I got him because I knew that he was a squad player who was going to be introduced. Jack Harrison is another. I absolutely love Jack Harrison. I've had him in my team the last three, Well, you know, at Leeds, um, wherever he's been. I always go for him. I don't think any other player in both leagues that I've played in has ever had Jack Harrison other than me. And yet again, brought him in at the start of the season didn't start playing as much, got rid of him and he started scoring points. That's very much me a lot of the time. So yeah, sometimes you do need to stick with your guns. You need to do a Jesse and maybe Sam should do the same. Maybe, but not for a Palace defender.
0: Yeah, I don't want, don't, I'm not taking any responsibility for, for what Chris just said. You can't pin that on me. I do my advice. When I said, just get, I just said, get rid. So my advice was never get a Palace defender in the first place. That, I want to go on record with that. Okay, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Neil, thank you for joining us again. Uh, Chris, no Thank you, as always. If you have any questions from us that you want this panel of child prodigy, the man who doesn't trust himself enough, and Neil from <laughs> Neil from head office to answer, please get in touch. The email again is podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk or you can get us on Twitter at Fantasy League. Next week, we will be talking to Phil Honey, as we said. But for now... Thank you to producer Simon, as always, and we will see you next week.